a nice break from Radio Drama Revival, but we are reporting back from the woods of Maine. Um, this week's show we are recording as we walk down a wilderness pathway out here in the woods behind my house in Alfred, Maine. Um, so any sounds you hear are our guest stars in the show. We just heard a bard owl a moment ago. Uh, so anyways, it's such a huge thanks to Patience Wyland, who spent the last month uh, covering this show, um, only time. Uh, you know, it's hard to go on vacation sometimes, and sometimes um, it's fun to hear what someone else brings to the table that is uh, different than what I might have thought of and, uh, you know, sort of what I've been staying wind of. So it was a huge pleasure to have uh, Patience slash Sibby on the show. Um, big shout out to her and her South by Southwest panels that she is trying to get votes for. Uh, check it out. The links will be at radiodramarevival.com. Look in the show notes. Uh, trying to get some audio drama panels with some perhaps virtual um, panel elements to it added to South by Southwest this year. Uh, which would be a huge score for audio drama if it happens. So if you love this medium and love seeing what it can can happen, uh, go out to RadioRumorVell.com, hit the show notes, and uh, vote for Sibby Weiland. So many other exciting things happening here in the world of radio drama, as you know, uh, just um, as this show is being put out. Very exciting new title release, which is Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. Um, perhaps, to me, uh, what I think we will hopefully look back as a milestone in audio drama, uh, when you finally had big-name author, uh, who has his own sort of following and uh, really fantastic actors, and then do it right by hiring someone like Dirk Maggs, who's the best of the best as far as audio production is concerned, and just show the world how good audio drama can be when it's fully realized. And I'm hoping that it is immensely successful. I hope that um, this sort of idea catches on and that, um, you know, work that's really of a higher caliber audio cinema in, uh, you know, a true audio movie, if those went out, will be uh, it'd be a whole different uh, art form for us. So thank you for tuning in and being among those who are checking radio drama, audio drama, as it revives into the 21st century um, uh, with a selection of Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere uh, provided thanks to Audio Go. This title released September 5th, audiogo.co.uk. Um, audiogo.co.uk is where you can find it. Um, and they find it very reasonable price on the download and it is uh you know it's totally spellbinding audio drama um someone asked me if they had uh there's actually a, a movie release of neverwhere coming out and i said the audio drama is way better than any movie that will ever be made and i think um you will see why i say that when you hear some of neverwhere um and then an exclusive interview only here on radio drama revival speaking with Dirk mags produced there about uh the creation of this landmark show Monastery, he said. He said it was hot, he said. And it's rain, Mr. Croup. Rain. That, Mr. Vandermar, is going to be a very fine conflagration. When it conflagrates. Although I doubt that any of the inhabitants are in a position entirely to appreciate it. Well, because of being dead. <laughs> because, as you so wisely point out, of being dead. Battle of lamp oil. <laughs> Somebody not dead. <laughs> is now. Our work here is done, Mr. Vandermar. What's next? 500 years north from here, London. Kill people? Oh, yes. I certainly think I can guarantee that. Ah. <sighs> 
Oh, Kruppen Vandermar. Okay, that was uh, just a little bit from the first episode of Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman, uh, produced by Dirk Maggs with a spectacular all-star cast of, of everyone from Benedict Cumberbatch, Sherlock, James McAvoy from X-Men, uh, Sir Christopher Lee, i.e. Sauron, and so many other fantastic roles, Nettie Dormer from uh, Game of Thrones and uh, others. Just a all-star cast and uh, a showing of how well an all-star cast can work together to produce something as good as uh, the text of Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere. Uh, heard here on Radio Drum Revival, now available through AudioGo, audiogo.co.uk. And uh, we have an interview with producer Dirk Maggs, who took some time from his uh, busy life in London working for a new Hitchhiker's radio show live program in London. And, of course, the creation of this fantastic Neil Gaiman adaptation, Neverwhere. So um, here we are with Dirk Maggs. Thank you. All right. Well, w- welcome back to Radio Drama Revival. It's my huge pleasure to be welcoming Dirk Maggs back on the show. Uh, Dirk Maggs is uh, perhaps among the very, very best uh, in-, in radio uh, doing audio movies for the BBC for decades. Um, he has had done this amazing project, which to me is, is a bit of a milestone in, in modern audio drama, the adaptation of uh, Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere. Um, of course, also did the modern adaptations of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and is working on a Hitchhiker's Guide live radio show, which is actually in its second year. Um, we'll talk about that in a moment, but a uh, huge pleasure to have you back, Dirk. It's great to be here, Fred, and thank you very much for asking me. It's, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you you do all sorts of awesome projects. Uh, you know, what, what I thought was just really interesting to start talking about because of just, uh, just the amount of attention that Neverwhere has gotten. Um, you know, you, you we're bringing, uh, you know, certainly Neil Gaiman, it, it seems like it starts with a work that people have heard of before, and then, but there's also people who are hearing of it about the cast and there's just a lot of uh, excitement about this radio play which is you know kind of unique among radio plays because usually it sort of feels like it's a you know a a medium that some people know is out there but doesn't necessarily get the same attention that a film work would get um and i guess i just to see curious uh what how how you felt being on this wild ride uh yeah wild is it's very strange um you know you you when you work in radio and audio you you get used to cutting a low profile um and so when suddenly you do a project that gets such a such a hugely uh interesting cast that word gets out to people who don't normally listen to um audio drama it's kind of funny because you suddenly um get all this attention and you think wow this is good i like this but i better not get used to it yeah. <laughs> um but the 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 situation we were in with neverwhere was that the neil and i have wanted to do something together for just forever really and we were both in a way protégés of douglas adams the science fiction humorist who invented the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy and neil knew douglas because he went to interview him when he was a journalist neil Mm. that is uh before he became a the legendary uh, comic book writer and an artist and everything he 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 became and then novel writer um i met douglas because douglas enjoyed my radio work and thought maybe i could finish hitchhikers in its original medium uh, because by the time we spoke it had turned into a series of books so Neil and I knew each other and wanted to work together. And for years, I was trying to persuade the BBC to do something. But the BBC uh, get a little bit snobby about comic book uh, writers and uh, what they see as populist uh, culture 
um, rather than the highbrow stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, I kind of had a bit of an uphill struggle. And uh, someone else went in and someone inside the BBC gave, uh, suggested a Neil project. And obviously the time was right because suddenly it said yes. And the Neil project they suggested was Neverwhere, which actually was a TV series in the mid-90s on the BBC. Not shot on a big budget, which frustrated Neil. So he went away and wrote sort of a book, a novel with everything in that they couldn't afford to do in the TV show. Um, and it was an adaptation of the book he wrote that this uh, producer, my co-producer, Heather Lama, uh, suggested would make a, a good piece. And Heather and Neil had a talk and decided that I'd be the guy to dramatize it and co-direct it with Heather. And, and so we, we got the show on the road. Um, but then the big surprise was Heather approached, um, we always approach the biggest names we can think of because the great thing about uh, the UK is that most of the actors here are used to working in radio. We still have a culture of spoken word, multicast radio performances. You know, we still have um, radio plays. We have Shakespeare uh, occasionally. We have Chekhov. We have, you know, all the classics. And every day on Radio 4, the Spoken Word Network, as well as their news programs and their discussion programs if you like it's a little like npr mm -hmm. um but without any ads at all there's a daily afternoon play monday to friday and the bbc is able to call on name actors when it wants to uh and so heather aimed high but this time instead of aiming high and in the end ending up with a very good cast but not huge names i think possibly uh, I, I, it, there's a domino effect you get with actors where if they hear so-and-so is doing it, they say yes to it. So we very quickly ended up with a, a list of names that wouldn't look out of place on a movie poster. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which was a, astonishing. And the, the first real uh, person to go for it was James McAvoy, who people will know from X-Men First Class as Dr. Xavier and lots of other films, Last King of Scotland and uh, Starter for Ten, which is quite a British film. And James is a Scottish actor. He's very, very good. He um, he loves, he's actually a big sci-fi nut. I think he's a bit of a Trekkie, James, actually. <laughs> he said, he did, at read-through, we had a, this amazing read-through, all these casts were there. And um, uh, he came up to me, we broke for lunch, and he came up and he said, uh, you know, I, can we do something about the uh, character? Can we do something about Richard in episode three? Because I think he's mourning. He's a bit of a whinger. He's a bit miserable. Can we make him a bit more positive? And I said, yeah, absolutely. That's That shouldn't be the case. Let's have a look at the, you know, we'll look at the lines. And, and I said, but James, I have to ask, you know, you you could be off making a movie. What? Why are you doing? You know, it's great to have you and we love it and it's fantastic. And I really appreciate you. You know, you believe in radio and audio, but why, why are you here? And he said, because I love this stuff. And that was really it. He just totally loves, love the book, he loves Neil, loves sci-fi and fantasy. And it's his thing. The thing is, of course, if James is aboard, then someone else who he's worked with will, will come aboard and so on and so forth. So Benedict Cumberbatch would come aboard and I, Benedict does a lot of radio he's mm. sort of become the next big thing with uh, doing Sherlock and Star Trek the second Star Trek movie JJ uh, Abrams Star Trek movie and so on um, but the thing is 
I, I, I'm not trying to do the piece down. They really love the piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not just doing it so they can see their buddies. Um, but if you have Benedict, then you'll get someone like Sir Christopher Lee will will take another look at something you offer. So we end up with James McAvoy, Benedict Cumberbatch, Sir Christopher Lee um, uh, from Game of Thrones, Natalie Dormer. We have Bernard Cribbins, who's a real favourite um, older actor in, in, in the in the UK, very much connected with Doctor Who and uh, things like that, character actor. David Harewood, who was playing Estes in Homeland uh, up to the end of the second series when he got blown up. Um, uh, lots of other fantastic cast. Uh, Anthony uh, Head, who was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. David Schofield, who was uh, playing uh, Vandermar to Anthony's croup, and David was in you know these are all really good british actors so we end up with this rolls royce cast uh, very intimidating for me to direct because you know as director you're supposed to be the guy who knows <laughs> and you walk in and thinking oh my god i can't you know what do i know compared to these guys but of course you soon realize that as always we work together on something it's a team and the best and the best actors like all the all the best talent I know are genuinely very nice people who really want to make do the best possible job they can do. Very seldom do you actually have problems. You know, people tell horror stories, but genuine professionals are always very easy to work with. And so it proved on this job. Um, they were amazing. Is there anything else that becomes unique, knowing that you've got kind of this high caliber cast, knowing you've got this wonderful source material with Neil Gaiman, you know, is there anything that makes it different than you, how you'd approach any, any other of your, your projects? I think I went in trying to make the best show I could. And I, I always do that. I think there was an additional desire for me on my behalf to do it because um I'm very, very fond of Neil. I think he's a fantastic talent. It's the first time we'd got to work together after 20 years of saying we wanted to. I wanted to serve up the best possible dish um, for Neil because I think he's uh, a really great guy and a real talent. But then everything I do, you know, I try and give the same attention to. Um, But I think probably I felt a little bit more pressure to deliver in terms of the BBC knew they, you know, they had something special and they wanted to promote it and so on. But in the end, I, I'm always, I'm always trying to deliver the same quality product, whether it's a, you know, six episodes of Neverwhere or a half hour comedy show that's done in front of an audience. Just, uh, you know, in, ter- in terms of like the sound of the production, uh, you know, you, you have a novel, you have like the, the television show, um, and then there's several, you know, uh, interviews that Neil Neil has given, uh, you know, the BBC into uh, Audio Go and some other places, talking about how much he loves your your version, uh, the radio version, compared to the television version. And I guess, uh, do you want to talk about since you do have this unique opportunity to work with this great cast because you know all that you know after you know decades working on so many productions, you know, what were some of the things that you tried to do with this radio show? that you that you know were unique to radio that you sort of took advantage of the fact that you could do things in this medium that might not be as easily possible in in tv or or in the novel yeah there was definitely the opportunity was to uh, it's invidious to challenge someone else's piece of work and the tv series of neverwhere was actually the producer was is a friend of mine and he had a tough job because they really didn't have the budget to do what 
they wanted to do and they had to keep cutting stuff that that Neil certainly wanted in it so at no point am I thinking I'm going to show this these TV guys what audio can do but I guess you know when it comes down to it what audio can do and this is where we 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 can score if it's done well I have to say that mm-hmm. is create images of things that would cost millions in CGI to build like a convincing beast of London this 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 creature that roams the labyrinth at the heart of London below this subterranean world under the London we know it's leaving you think it's leaving it's making room making room for what for a charge there it is look at all those weapons buried in its flanks give it a bloody spear man at last Come on! Stop! Can't a hunter! What do we do? Just stay out of the way! One clean thrust! One clean thrust! Hunter, Hunter, you can't play chicken with that thing! I know how this beast thinks! No, no wait! Wait, in my dream it! That, that was something that to create in sound yes actually it was a lot of work you know sort of thinking what the two things are like breathing and you know roaring and moving around through the swamps and the fetid atmosphere down below but there was you know certainly not not as expensive as getting you know a room full of cgi people to design this thing um making it happen was was cheaper uh certainly cheaper i'm not necessarily easier than uh, to do it in pictures um and I think that's really was Neil sort of made the point that what he liked about it was that we had a budget, a special effects budget of millions, but it, it didn't actually cost millions to create the special effects. Although there's something that I've kind of learned about what we do when we work only in audio, uh, which is going to sound a little bit crazy, but I've realized how hard it is <laughs> doing this job to to make, um, to create convincing worlds, um, it is actually, you really have to spend an awful lot of time in your own head analyzing what you're hearing and working out if it's, it's, if it's giving across the images, if it's creating the images in the listener's head that you want. And the mapping of, you know, where in the stereo picture, you know, do you put the sound of a door opening when a character enters, where maybe do you hear their footsteps go if you're adding footsteps, or where do you hear them sit down if you're adding the creak of a chair. Um, it, it's a very strange thing to spend all your time monitoring uh, your own work in order to check it's going to be act as a kind of mind-reading thing on behalf yeah. of the listener. And I think that's one of the t- most tiring things about the job. I'm not complaining, but... It is interesting, you know, if you've got a camera, when you're in a studio, once the lighting cameraman has, you know, set stuff up, your director of photography has worked it all out and the guys are pointing the camera and the lights are all lit, you immediately see whether it works or not because there it is. I mean, you can play with it a bit in post-production, but at the end of the day, you're getting an immediate representation of the believability of what you do. In in audio, it's, it's a more solitary thing, and I think I'll never wear more than ever before. I suddenly realized 
how ambitious it is to try and create worlds in sound only. I, I, I think I was really going for it at times. Uh, and also to create a, a world in sound where you're not having, you haven't got a narrator to tell the audience what they're seeing. You know, there's no one actually saying, and oh, now we see this, you know, vast amphitheater is filled with people and uh, there, there, there's blood in the sand on the ground and the last gladiator drags his bloodied body towards the exit or whatever. Um, you know, there's no one to say that you've got to, you've got to, you've got to carry, convey all of that in dialogue and in sound effects and so on. Um, so, you know, when you pull it off, I think you could pat yourself on the back a bit. It's quite a mm -hmm. neat trick really. And, I was particularly pleased with Neverwhere. I felt, uh, I was very pleased with the episode. When we got towards episode five and six and we were really getting into the action stuff, that worked well. But in a funny kind of way, the most daunting part was episode one, setting the story up, because a lot of that just took place in rooms with people talking. And the trick was to try and keep that sounding dramatic and filled with, you know, atmosphere and having a world going on around your characters. That That is... That's a that's a neat trick. You know, I came down from Scotland about 18 months ago. I've been enjoying it. Like, hold on. <clears throat> Hello, Hello, Richard Mayhew. This is Richard. I'm not here right now, so please speak Stupid after thing. Richard, this is Jessica. Hello, Richard. Jessica, hello. How you doing? Uh, 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 the wire's been cut. Vandermar, probably. You embarrassed me very deeply last night, Richard. As far as I'm concerned, our engagement is at an end. Goodbye. Bad news. <laughs> I won't dignify that with an answer. And and there are a couple specific moments I'll mention. I, I think this was in the latest interview with Neil. Uh, he mentioned something about the the use of the sound effects uh, for Islington's wings, which oh, is, yeah. I believe those are not. There's no dialogue. There's no. That is completely sonic cue. If if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, it's uh, just a, it's just a, um, uh, it's just a, a, a couple of jackets, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of, you know, when you shake your jacket out, when you've come in from the mm -hmm. rain or you've got dust all over a piece of clothing and you, you give it a good sort of flick. And it was, uh, myself and Vanessa, a lady who was doing the sound effects in the studio with, with the actors, uh, doing that on a stereo microphone, both at the same time. So there really was an Atlantis? Yes. Oh, and you're an angel. Yes. You've actually met God and everything. I claim nothing, Richard, but I am an angel. Do you need proof? No, no, no. Temple Lurch! <laughs> Confined as I am in here, it is pleasing to stretch the wings from time to time. Wow. You honour us. It's that kind of stupid thing where you take an everyday thing and turn it into something totally impossible, like a pair of angels' wings. Yeah, and, and another moment I I like, uh, I, I think it's might have been episode one um, where Richard is, is traveling with the Marquis and they sort of go through some uh, hidden door or something and they're, they're climbing up these stair, uh, a ladder, and it's like this, you know, vast, you know, vast ether that they're sitting, you know, that, that they're up against. Yeah, and, um, you, there's like some sort of line like, oh, it's, you know, it's whatever, it's it's vast or, we, we're, you know, in this huge space. And then 
really all that is there that sort of conjures that is I think it's just the, the sound of wind blowing or some, you know, some sort of white noise that just conjures this massive yeah. <laughs> one of those great sound effects where you don't have to do too much but it sells you the whole concept are you good with heights uh is the planet jupiter smaller than a duck right right well you might want to close your eyes <laughs> oh for the love of the wee man step forward uh, very uh, carefully you'll be fine go <laughs> Where are we? Top of the post office tower. <laughs> Wonderful view. You like that sort of thing. I don't like that sort of thing. I, 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 I can't move. Of course you can. Of course you can. <sighs> Look over there. You roll a little bit of bass off the voices to make it sound like they're out of doors. And then you play in a really standard howling wind effect. And you just, and you kind of think, phew, that's great. I've saved myself. Uh, an hour's worth of uh, building a sound world, uh, <laughs> which I need for later on when he has the fight with the beast. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's it's funny because like you know I I uh, you know the the Hobbit was the big show um, in in three D and sixty P and all this uh, you know over over the holidays and to me uh, you know and, and you know not to to diss movies and 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 television. Uh, but to me, there's a point where all of that CGI gets in the way of the the storytelling, and and to me, you know, and, and we can obviously the more you put into it, you know, the whole goal is so that people are just sort of immersed in the storyline and and absorb it. Uh, but it, it seems that that little bit of that sleight of hand, when the radio magic works, you know, that you're, you're 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 just there, you know, you're that's I happen to notice that there's that sound effect there, but I imagine that you hope that the audience is just they get that picture and they they're in the story, they're not thinking about. Oh, this is you know this is they don't they don't know what the magician trick is that got them there. <laughs> you know, it, a lot of it, a lot of it is to do with it's making it believable, isn't it? Really, it's it, it, it you know can you do you feel you're actually in that situation or that thing has happened in front of your very eyes? If you can if you can pull that off, I, I think and and sometimes you can surprise yourself by by using uh, by taking a. You, you, you pick out a sound that actually doesn't work that should be exactly what you want and then you find something totally alien to the whole scene that plays it perfectly i was trying to i was trying to think one of, of one of them but but sometimes it makes me laugh because i really didn't intend to do it I accidentally pulled something in and thought hang on a minute that's actually better than what i had in mind mm. Excellent. Well, I would love to to, to talk, continue talking about Neverwhere. I will say that it is, I guess it's available now for uh, September 5th, uh, 2013. This will be available. I, I'm looking at the BBC website. I'm getting confused because it's in the um, the UK, the way that you do UK dates and, and it says 5-9. But that in our, in our in, in, here in America, that means September 5th. That's a nice yeah. mate. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, at any rate, that's, that's uh, you know, that's available, uh, you know, downloads and CDs. Um, and, uh, you know, I think... To me, it's the most remarkable audio title I've I've heard in a while. To me, Dirk, it's uh, you know, to me, it's a it's a re-inspiration. It's like, oh, this is how good radio drama can be when everything works, and you know, gives 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 you something to to aspire to. So, thank you for 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 making that, you know, making this, being able to be there to make this caliber work. It's fantastic. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. I, but but I, what I like is that we all inspire each other, really, because I'm hearing stuff all the time. It's great that so much is now happening on the internet uh, in terms of audio production and people trying stuff out and because all your stuff, Fred, you know, all the stuff you do on location, because one of the things we didn't do on Neverwhere, which 
I'm so relieved didn't turn into a problem, <laughs> but could have been, was we didn't record a location. We recorded in the studio, which is great because you got half coffee on tap and, you know, all of that. But of course, you know, when you're thinking about it, uh, how much more fun and how much more real could we have made it by actually going down into the underground tunnels of the, the train network under London or, you know, getting out into the open air. And, and so when I see someone like you, who's working pretty much, you know, all on location on stuff and uh, whenever you get the chance, that to me is really exciting. I want to do more of that. So in that way, I think all of us working in the medium inspire each other. There's this sort of complete other world that a lot of people who don't, uh, you know, who, who maybe even listen to audio but, but don't know is going on where we're all looking for ways to make it more and more real uh, and to, to, to make it more and more captivating. And I, I love that part of it. I love the community spirit of it. You know, before we get off the topic of Neverwhere, uh, you know, so you also were at the helm, uh, you know, during the, the adaptations of the new uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxies, which also was a very popular, uh, you know, and, and got some uh, publicity and press when it came out. Yeah. Back then, you know, Twitter did not exist. Uh, so does, is there anything feel different about this moment to be producing audio than, uh, you know, the years, years, I forget exactly what year the new Hitchhikers came out, but what, what feels different then and now? We did the new Hitchhikers shows, although Douglas originally, you know, we were going to work on it together. He Very sadly, he died. Um, and then about you know, three, four years later, we finally managed to do it. And the thing was that what we did at that time, when you you made it, you kind of sent it out into space, you know, you made it in a kind of vacuum and you, you then it got broadcast. And if you were lucky, you'd hear a little bit about it. Although to be fair, actually, I used to look on the, um, the forums, you know, the, the chat forums and so on with the fans of Douglas and so on to kind of see, to take the temperature of how we were doing, you know? Um, and interestingly over the years, we've become, what we did at that time that people were a little bit you know not sure about has become uh part of the you know the, the history of hitchhikers so I've, I've learned not to worry too much about being flamed or trolled um mm. about things because in the end uh it all comes around um but there is a difference now i, I certainly there was there wasn't the same uh, level of engagement as there is now because so many people now talk to each other about making stuff and this whole phenomenon I'm sure it's been around for years but it's certainly new to me over the last few years of folks particularly in the USA where you know you don't really have a national broadcaster who carries a lot of spoken word radio in terms of drama and, and comedy as we do um, where there's a whole network of individuals and groups working together you know the national audio theater festivals uh, folks and all of this who are making really interesting stuff but making it in a kind of a patchwork quilt way where you you have actors in different states kind of recording their contributions and then somebody cutting it all together and adding everything which is incredibly ambitious and hard to do um, and sometimes can work amazingly well um, and there is there is this whole new culture going on uh, it's very gratifying to find that a medium that at times I've wondered if I was going to actually make the rent, you know, make the mortgage um, some years uh, has become so popular. Um, it's still finding it's still hard to pay the mortgage, but it's nice to know there's a whole bunch of us in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing it because of the love of it. And, um, you know, occasionally with these these amazing projects. 
and, and the other uh, amazing project that you're working on is the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy live radio yeah. show. Um, this is the second year that you're doing it, um, and you've got a ton of dates. Um, so it, it sounds like uh, obviously it's a ton of work, but it also looks like it's it's been pretty pretty popular. People uh, love coming out to these shows. Yeah, we've we've got a, a we did a, a tour last year. It was only for six weeks because we had to sandwich it between the Queen's Jubilee uh, right. and the Olympics happening in London. So and, and Mark Wing Davy, who plays Zaphod Beeblebrox, one of the main characters, he originated that part, and he was only available for a limited amount of time. So we really had to kind of squeeze it in, uh, but it was very successful, and 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 we proved to ourselves that um, taking a purely radio show on the road, where the actors are, are working to microphones on stage, but we have live sound effects, we have a robot, we have a live band, really worked. And the humour, which originally was not written for an audience to laugh at in mm -hmm. the room with the actors at the same time, really did work in that way. Uh, and so this this year we're we're going out uh, going out for uh, about twice as long uh, with with the original cast. We um, Mark sadly can't be with us. He's he's got uh, lecturing commitments in New York. But um, you know we we do have. Uh, most of the original cast or, or everybody in the show has been in Hitchhike as one of the versions mm -hmm. and um, live band, as I say. And I, the thing is really that you, I used to love when I worked for the BBC in the comedy department, I used to love doing live radio comedy shows with an audience. You don't hear it very much nowadays i suppose the prairie home companion kind of there is this thing about really going for it and of course all the monty python guys all you know came up most of them came up through radio comedy john cleese and so on and there's a big big tradition of it in england and there is a great thing about a room full of people just laughing at uh, visual images that are conveyed entirely in the sound and you sort of feel as a member of the audience that you you're in on a special kind of a joke you're 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 part of a sort of a a conspiracy of of creating images together and the audience really join in it's a bit like um uh, British pantomime which we have at Christmas it's it's full of jokes and it's full of silly business and there's a lot of audience participation um and there's a Ultimately, and this is what I like best about it, there's a lot of love in the room. The, the, the audience uh, come and, and, the, and the actors come together um, with a piece of work where, where the author is no longer with us. Douglas has sadly died. Mm -hmm. But we kind of it's a celebration of just something that everybody uh, has for years enjoyed. And the best part of it all is seeing people bring their kids. So I've seen you know, nine and ten year olds in the audience who are falling about laughing at stuff they don't know. Douglas from Douglas yeah. Adams or anything like that. They just know what's funny and it's clever, funny stuff. And I have to say, it's a real uh, pleasure to do and I love doing it. Yeah. And you're going all the way to Scotland and back down. Yeah. Well, my a trip to Scotland is actually the equivalent of you guys going up the road to the chemist, <laughs> you know, because distances here are not so great. Scotland's only about four hours drive away from where, where I live, you know, it's, it, 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 it's cross country. And it is, you know, sometimes we do have to kind of get up, jump in the coach, go somewhere, get up, get set up, do the show, jump back in the coach, go somewhere else. But that's touring. But no, it, it really is. Uh, it, 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 we're covering the whole of England, um, most of England. We're, we're covering, uh, doing a couple of dates in Wales. And we're actually going over to, to Northern Ireland, which is fantastic.
I, I would love to have gone to the Republic of Ireland, but uh, we just couldn't work out the logistics for that. But we will do. It's great. Uh, yeah, and you've got also, uh, should mention, you've got a great, uh, it looks like every, you, you have different guest stars as the voice of the book, uh, which is uh, quite a name, names. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do. Now we have a different, the voice of the book, which is kind of like the the narrator figure. Um, well, our first one is Neil Gaiman, yeah. who, uh, by some coincidence, happens to be available. Um, no, Neil, who also, you know, because Neil and I being alumni of Douglas, the, the, the University of Douglas. Um, uh, but uh, we've also got, uh, oh, who have we got? I'm trying to think. We've got a Doctor Who. We've got Colin Baker, who is a Doctor Who. We've got a guy called Danny John Jules, who is in uh, Red Dwarf. We've got um, one of our very serious actresses, Dame Harriet Walter. She's actually appearing in the new season of Downton Abbey, but she's going to come and be a voice of the book for us. Um, uh, various, uh, who else? Anthony Daniels, C-3PO from Star Wars, is going to come and be voice of the book in a gold awesome. suit. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, a real mixture of people. We, we, it's a really great. They love it because they just sit in a comfortable chair and read from a book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, and there's not that many opportunities to be in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That's got to be a real fun part of, you know, yeah, as you say, the celebration of Douglas Adams. So many people who who love the love that that work. You know, not it's got to be a pretty special opportunity, I guess. It's become a yeah, it's, it's become a British institution, really, a bit like uh, a bit like uh, Python or whatever, you know, which of course Douglas was involved with, or Doctor Who, which has become a sort of well institution around the world, and we'd love to bring it to lots of people ask when we're going to bring it to the states and we would love to do it but we have to clear there's there's rights issues to clear on that but we if we could do it we'd love to because i think i think it would go down a storm actually on your side of the pond oh yeah there people would would travel to get to it but well we have a lot of people actually coming flying over for our opening i am i'm yeah i'm i'm sorely tempted myself it's uh not again not many opportunities to do it so uh, well you you sell (laughs) sell that child come and see this (laughs) well yeah and if you are listening to this tempted uh you know there's dates going into the end of november um at hitchhikers uh hitchhikerslive.com um and uh also the the uh neverwhere it's going to be on audiogo.com that's the bbc audiobooks distributor audiogo.com and uh dirk it's a huge pleasure i know you're, you're a busy guy you've got so many things going on i i really appreciate your time to chat with us this afternoon it's my real pleasure fred always is and please ask me back you know hopefully we'll have more to talk about soon Oh, fantastic. Well, thanks much. And uh, again, HitchhikersLive.com and AudioGo. Check out Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere. It's among the finest audio dramas you're ever going to hear.